Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be. You are tuned in to the Vitamin D Podcast with me, your host, Dawn Day. I'm here to help you shine a light on your life. Get that spirit to sprout off the ground of your soul and find that voice that you know is sitting in the back of your throat but just can't seem to find its way out. Sometimes when we're trying to get that spirit to grow, just adding deposits to your life bank account, you realize that for whatever reason, you've got to go ahead and change it up. Maybe some cattle came out and trampled your fields. Maybe there was a drought. Maybe there was a flood. Whatever it was, though you have the option to get up and find another plot to grow on. When those times come up, it can seem like the world rending. It feels this worse sensation when everything feels as though it's going backwards. But those same moments are opportunities to create something that is closer to your vision. Now, with that being said, I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with none other than Ananda Lewis. The television host, carpenter, former model, and social activist came on the show to talk about her life, her fight against breast cancer, and for women's health, about getting involved in your own health, understanding that you have a part to play in your own life, how to check yourself before you wreck yourself, and just trusting yourself more in general. The amount of discipline I have to have now, doing the protocols, doing the treatments, committing to all the hours a day, being away from my child, I could have spread that out across like 10 years and done it in a more balanced, you know, a little bit at a time way. Now I have to concentrate it in, you know, four or five months and really hit it hard. You're in for a special treat. So without further ado, it's time for your dose of vitamin D. Get your vitamin D right here with me and get excited about your life. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Sorry for all the scramble to get here. I don't know what happened. Listen. Technology. I was blaming on technology. <laughs> um, I'm grateful that you arrived. And here's the thing. I knew that we were going to encounter each other. I didn't know when. And I say that because uh, Portia Scott, she's my oh. agent. So years ago, and I remember, I think she said that you were decorating or you were um, put the co- doing some renovations with mm-hmm. her. Yeah. Plate painting and helping her with some upgrading. Uh, just hearing her name fills my heart with such joy. <laughs> I love Portia. <laughs> it is so interesting. And then I, um, I saw your video and I saw your story and I said, oh, this is how we're going to connect. It'll be, it'll be this. <laughs> it'll be this. It'll be magical. So first of all, so- thank you so much. Thank you for you being you. Oh, well, uh, you're welcome. I don't know how to, if that's something I can say you're welcome for. <laughs> kind of what I have to do, but I appreciate the acknowledgement. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you know, because I think sometimes we forget to do us and sometimes doing us is being uncomfortable. And, and this, this stage <laughs> that you're, you're, you're experiencing right now and being able to come forth, it means a lot for someone like me. Because as Thank you come you, forth... Someone like you is exactly why I did it. Other women who look like me, who... You know, we reflect each other uh, in the world. I, I needed you to hear what I did wrong so you could avoid some of these mistakes. You know, the pitfalls are important to share. Hello. And it's how you put the pieces back together, right? Yes. Yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to I paint a beautiful picture with you today. Um, and, you know, many people will know you and recognize your face, your voice, your energy, whether it's on MTV, whether we're watching Teen Summer, just the host with the most <laughs> that was the aspiration for every little black girl was like, oh, my gosh, in the music industry, I can do that. Uh, so, so cool. <laughs> um, 
But I came across, I, I run the digital content for all of Steve Harvey FM. Mm. Love him too. I saw your video up and you came forth to say how uh, you've been diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. Right. And immediately it struck a chord because my mother passed away from stage four breast cancer. Wow. When? Uh, this was back in 2012, but she was first. She, she, I didn't think about it. She was pretty much sick my entire life. My mother had thick hair down her back. I remember as a kid, I was like three years old. And I remember seeing her in the mirror and cutting her hair off. I remember going to school, but my mom, wow. that strength that you exhibited in that video and you said like, I'm doing this for my son. I'm speaking like there was not an option of not to fight. Yeah. Yeah. Long as you're alive, if you're drawing breath, there's something you can do and you, you better do it. Hello. You know, I mean, listen, we know this life is temporary. I hope we all understand that by now. I mean, we've had enough experience with it. We are born and we live and then we die. That is the nature of the human bodies that we get to inhabit. Right. I believe we are the light within the body that mm. goes on. Uh, but I also think while we're here having this experience, we need to keep some things in perspective. We're not going to live forever, no matter what we do, what our options are for me anyway, what, what I look at as, as my choices and my control, my authority in my life Amen. is how I live while I'm here. Yes. Um, and even when you confront something, uh, you know, that typically is scary, that happens in your body like a cancer. And I say typically scary because I haven't really been assaulted by the fear. I understand it to be what is normally um, how people are, you know, how people receive it. It wasn't my particular experience and that probably helped me with how I handled it. But when, when that typically happens, we get thrown off. You know, we start forgetting what we know. Uh, what I have always known up until the point of diagnosis and past it is that I, I don't come from here, right? And that's not to do some weird, like we're aliens descended on the planet. I don't believe that. But my spirit doesn't come from here. I get to go. You better right? speak. I get to leave and go somewhere else. I came from somewhere else. This is a temporary situation. And how you choose to live it is a testament of who you are. And what you believe. And I don't believe in abandoning my fundamental understanding of myself, my God, my experience, just because something looks scary or, you know, gives me a challenge. For me, that's the double down time. But did I believe this before? I better believe it even more wholeheartedly Hello? now. I better go even harder on it now. And because this is it. the test of what it really is, right? So... I don't know. It, definitely this experience has caused me to uh, amplify my understandings and get real clear on things real fast. Mm. But it also has just fortified what I have always known to be true. You know, what I knew to be true back then in those days when you watched me on TV, the reason I was able to get through some of those challenges, it's the same thing. I know who I am and I know what I can do. Wow. And even knowing that isn't going to save my life forever. I get that, right? But in the context of what I'm dealing with, I absolutely know that there are things that I have control over that I can do differently. There are reasons that this happened in my body. And it's not some weird, scary mystery. It's a process. And every process can be reversed. That's what I believe. And, you know, what stands out to me so much is that as you speak on that and this decree that you've made over your life is that you've chosen to walk in your authority. You yeah. chose and you, you made a choice. And I think when we look in despair, we look in confusion, we feel like we're lost. It's because we don't yeah. have a choice. Right. Or we don't have enough information. 
Yeah. We just don't know. Fear is a lot of times based on what you cannot see. You just don't know. It's the fear of the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen next. I knew what was going to happen next. I had to do what I, I knew to do next. So there was no unknown. Mm. And I knew that if my body started this process, there's an environment in my body that I somehow contributed to not saying it's all my fault. But, you know, when we talk about blame and fault, I think we've gotten this, to this place where we don't want to be blamed for something. Right. But I look at it as, well, if you blame me, that means it's my responsibility. When something is my responsibility, I control it. <laughs> I like controlling things. So I, I think responsibility is a really powerful place to come from. And it's a good way to switch that blame thing, right? If somebody blames you for something and you switch it to, okay, let's, let me play along. All right. I did do that. Now yes, what can I do to get myself out of this? Hello. Then you have a place to start from instead of being stuck at, well, they're blaming me. They're saying it's my fault. Okay. What if it is? So what, what if it is? That means you can do something. And, and so when I looked at it like that, when I said to myself, this happened for a reason, I might be part of that reason. I might be a huge part of that reason. When you look at how cancers or any other uh, chronic illnesses start in the body, they start with an environment that's been created where we're, we're in control of these bodies. What you put in your mouth, the energy you allow yourself to be around, how you speak to people, how you allow people to speak to you, all of that matters. And so if you look at all those things as different variables creating this environment, you understand that you have some authority there. So when I walk in that authority, it's because I know it to be true. Mm -hmm. It's not a false sense of understanding or a game I'm playing in my mind. I create my future with exactly how I think, what I choose to do. If I get up and work out, as opposed to getting up and having a cup of coffee, that makes a difference in my body. Those little changes, right? My body can't take coffee. I wouldn't have known that until I had this experience and did all the testing that I've done. I used to drink eight cups of coffee a day just to get through the day like most people do. That was creating an acidic condition in my body I had no awareness of, but it doesn't matter if you know it or not, your body's going to do it. Right? Right. Your awareness doesn't matter to your body. Um, so those little things have gone such a long way for me. And when I saw the difference that I could make in the environment in my body, uh, I knew I, I could do something other than what they were telling me to do to start to fix this problem. Now, is, is that all I had to do? No, but if you don't even start there, if you don't even start with an ability to do your part, a desire to do your part and understanding that you have a part to play, then you're just lost in fear and, and the, the lack of uh, belief in what you can do because you're not aware of it. So awareness to me is absolutely <laughs> the beginning of all this. No, and that's why I encourage women who I who I talk to, and subsequently I've met a lot of women who are also going through a breast cancer fight right now. Um, and we share information, and the the first thing we talk about is what are you doing? Like, what are you taking? What are you? De how are you detoxing? And in addition to what your doctor's saying, which I'm all for doing, what it is that's comfortable for you. If listening to your doctor and doing what they say is that, that's good. So, in addition to that, what else are you doing? Because more and more you know, best cancer centers around the country are acknowledging that when a patient fasts before chemo or when a patient takes CBD before chemo, whatever the things that they're acknowledging are, they know that there's an impact being had. Mm. And so even if it's a little bit of a help to me, that's help. Still is a build. And even yeah. as you're saying that, I can hear Ice Cube in my ear, check yourself before you wreck yourself. 
And that awareness is tapping in to say, one, let me assess, am I feeling differently? But that whole Mm -hmm. notion of go, 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 whether that coffee was so you can stay up for this thing. When did I say, wait a minute? Stop. Pause. Yes. Let me do a temperature check. So what was, what was that experience? What happened? What was your moment that you decided to pause and to literally check yourself? I think it was in the biopsy because, you know, I had been refusing the mammograms for years. uh, Did your mother have cancer? My mother had breast cancer 13, about 13 years ago. And um, I went through her journey with her. She opted standard care um, and did all the things they told her to do. And I looked from, you know, outside because I was in the experience with her, but I wasn't her. And so I was still looking from outside, uh, looking at her experience and knowing I saw her do mammograms my whole life. You know, she did them for almost 30 years, just like she was told to. The radiation exposure was different then because the machines were different, but I didn't know that at the time. I saw her doing mammograms all this time and I saw her still getting breast cancer. And I knew as, I mean, it's pretty common knowledge that radiation in the human body is not a good thing, right? It can cause cancer. We hear the extremes of like uh, nuclear power plant problems Mm -hmm. where people have fallout, but these smaller amounts of exposures to radiation also can cause problems. I knew that. And I directly connected her diligence with her mammograms to her getting breast cancer. Now, that's not a completely incorrect line of thinking where I wish I had understood better. And and one of the biggest reasons I I wanted to share that part of my experience with with other women, um, and I guess people in general, because men get breast cancer too, was because my thinking was off in this way. We need to do mammograms, even though there is this small amount of exposure to radiation, because the, the risk out or the reward outweighs the risk, right? The risk of that little bit of radiation is nothing compared to the reward of finding out what's going on in your body so that you can be proactive, maintain more control, and not find out about something when it's further down the line. Now, I'm lucky in the sense that I didn't wait until it was a stage four, right? Because that's a harder process to deal with in the body. Uh, A stage three isn't great, so it's in my limbs, and that does make it more difficult. There are more things you have to do. There's a deeper dig. uh, And... I wish I had found it earlier. I would have if I had been doing mammograms. And that's the part I needed women to understand. Yeah, there's a risk, but there's a way bigger reward. And it's so interesting because I had to, um, it's a conversation that maybe isn't talked about too much. And as I was looking at your video and you said, wow, I never said that I was loud because your your emotions were enraged. And I I just think of like the shame aspect because Mm. like, even though I said with my mother, I still did not understand understand the gravity of what breast cancer was, even at three years old, even mm, at the point when great. I was in eighth grade, even to the last point when I was in school, like uh, just when I graduated, oh, we went to Howard together as well. We're both alum. Oh, so my God. No. <laughs> yes. Um, so it wasn't until, and I think like you said, that awareness, but having that conversation. But when I hear you say that I knew the next step, I'm looking at myself. When I was 25, my mother had first, um, I think she was probably 30, yeah, 35, because I was a few years old when she had it. So she fought for how many years? That's what I'm saying, pretty much my entire life, because let's see, probably from 88, and she passed away in 2012, she had went into a remission for a few years, and Mm -hmm. it came back in 2008. And the doctors were coming in, and they're like, oh, you know, the students and so forth, because she was doing well. 
But right. it's interesting what you said, and, and I'm sure that this plays a, a part in some of the other things that you talked about, what stress will do. Because once life came, she lost, I think my mother had lost her fight in a way, her sense mm-hmm. of going and why and how you said that fight for your son. My mother, yeah. Janice Hill, did everything for her daughters. Mm-hmm. She lived for us. And I think we got to the point that she just got tired. Yeah, well, that happens. But I think that what's happens. beautiful is that what you said and how you're saying how you know the next step. Well, speaking to someone like me, I didn't know what the next step was. I'm like, I'm 25. Do I go ahead and get that mammogram? Because Mm -hmm. again, that exposure. And who do you talk to? 25-year-olds now, who has the insurance to say, hey, I'm stepping into a mammogram? Yeah, not many. Well, what did you decide? Well, when I was in New York, I was working at WBLS. And mm-hmm. I remember it was right before I moved out to LA and they had a program set up and they knew that since I was high risk, since my mother had it three times, my grandmother had ovarian cancer. I had a cousin that had kidney cancer. So the wow. whole cancer gene, it's surrounding um, my oldest aunt, breast cancer. And I wow. found out my youngest aunt who died months after my mother had breast cancer as well. So it was a situation where they said, you hey, you scared. need to go just get checked. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so since then, I've had a mammogram once each year. But I didn't know. I don't know if I really know how to properly do the assessment. And so that's what I was wondering. Did you feel a pain? How did you know that something was going on? I had I had discharge out of my right nipple. Right side is where everything's happening for me. Um, and I had a knot right kind of above and to the right, right about here on my breast. And uh, you know, what's funny is even with those symptoms, I was like, it's fine. It's leftover from breastfeeding. I breastfed my son for three years and, you know, this was way after three years. But we tend to tell ourselves it's OK. We got to keep going for all those reasons that you mentioned that your mom, Janice, did. She put her children first. All mothers did I know do that. And it's just an instinctive, that's what happens when a baby comes out of your body, you go. And even, you know, when you, however you have your baby, um, this, this maternal instinct kicks in and you will give your life for this child. You will put down everything you need to, you will do whatever. And part of where I think we need to come to some better balance as women, as mothers on that is continuing to keep ourselves on that top list of priorities, because if we're not healthy and we're not okay, we can't be here for them. So as much as, my son is my motivation. My own life is my motivation too, because without me being here, I can't take care of him. And it's difficult to do because it's our instinct. You know, it's our fundamental instinct as moms to prioritize our kids. And that's not a bad thing. It only becomes a dangerous thing for ourselves when we get lost and way down at the bottom of that list. And I absolutely did that to myself. I mean, yes, I was against mammograms, but also once I found that lump and once I had that discharge and got serious about, let me go check this out. I had lost my insurance for other reasons. And so insurance becomes an issue for a lot of women, even a woman, you know, like me, who from the outside, you would think I got my stuff all together and at least I have my insurance covered, right? That's not always the case. So, I mean, there are so many reasons that can come up in the life of, of a woman when it comes to um, her care, her care of her health, of her breasts, of her body, of her ovaries, of her womb, all these different parts that we have as women that need special care. Uh, and I really just want to encourage women 
to not let anything stop you from taking good care of yourself because you're the priority. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing else matters if you don't prioritize yourself. And yeah, I get to learn that the hard way, but I only have to learn it once. Right. <laughs> it will not happen again. And it's so beautiful because, you know, sometimes we look at life and we'll see all these great things that are happening. You wonder why all these backwards and you're like, oh my gosh, everything keeps going wrong. But when you turn it around and how you say like changing your perspective or realizing yeah. even something I study improv at the Groundlings. Oh, that's fun. It's amazing. I love it. It, That whole notion of someone blames you for something. And just like the groundlings has taught me, it's it's a matter of a yes. And how do we grow and build upon from this? So let me receive, because if I'm blocking, which I feel like stress does, any type Mm -hmm. of tension, nothing is moving. Toxins aren't moving out of your body appropriately. I'm stuck. And, and understanding right. that whole, yes, and I, that ability has allowed to flow. And it's just interesting when we talk about caring for self, right? And even as you just said on here, you said, I'm a light, right? Your light yeah. cannot be constricted. The sun doesn't ask for permission to shine. <laughs> right. So who are you if something is giving you a signal? <laughs> how, who, how dare you? Try to contain whatever life, your body, or whomever is speaking to you. Because Mm. in that lesson that is actually a blessing, experiencing that, I do find the beauty in trials and tribulations because now you're gifted to speak a language that not many people can speak nor understand. Because now you can speak to me about a person who I need to consider. This is a top priority not to be Mm. scared why it's important to take those mammograms because I'm not sure if I have the name of the test correctly, but as I was watching your video, you said, um, I think you had to have two PET scans or PET that were like 30 mammograms. The PETs. Mm -hmm. I've had three now. (laughs) When I did that video, I had two, but I had a third one since. So what is that about? Well, that's how you basically are able to look into the body and see if cancer has gone anywhere else outside of the original localized spot um, and see what the metabolic activity is. The interesting thing is to me, when I look at how they test for all this stuff, um, when I was going through my mom's situation and she was doing chemotherapy in the standard way, they were giving her... um, you know, for like snacks and stuff, they would bring around these trays of like granola bars. They had grape juice and all this other stuff on it, which even then 13 years ago, in my mind, I was like, I'm sorry, but that can't be how she's supposed to eat with the fact that sugar fuels cancer. And you know that the industry knows it because in PET scans, they give you radioactive sugar, basically, and you that you fast for you know, eight hours, whatever, and then you either inject it or you drink this stuff, depending on the kind of scan you're doing. But um, it goes into your body and your cancer cells, because they're greedy and they feed themselves first and they want sugar, they suck up all that sugar and that's what lights them up. That's what the scan actually detects, this radiated sugar that then lights up in the cancer cells because they're the ones eating it first and fast, right? So... They're using the fact that cancer (laughs) feeds on sugar uh, and absorbs it, you know, the most and first in your body to actually test and see how much cancer is in your body. But they're feeding it to you in chemotherapy. I mean, it's like the craziest contradiction. And yet 
you know, we, we have a lot of faith in, in how they do stuff, which I'm not saying don't have. I, I, I'm on the fence because I have this vast amount of respect and, and gratitude for doctors and especially first responders and nurses, everybody in the medical industry, right? What they sacrifice, what they go through to even be there and get the degrees that, and, and certificates they have to be able to help us. And uh, when I am in an emergency situation, please take me to an ER and not an herbal doctor, right? If I break my leg, please go let them reset it. Don't go get me supplements. I understand the value of, of medicine. Uh, and at the same time, when I see in some ways how they treat chronic illnesses and what, what I perceive as a lack of understanding about the human body that they're treating in terms of what its power is and what its ability is, to not harness that and use it to help the human body doesn't make sense in my mind. It's part of the reason I couldn't go um, the standard protocol route with, with uh, my situation because I just, we don't think enough alike for me to be able to embrace what you're talking about you know if I sit with one of the leading oncologists in LA and I want to talk to him about food and he says food has nothing to do with this I'm okay. like you gotta go. I don't know what else we could talk about because <laughs> for me that's the exact opposite of what I know to be true if that's true stop telling diabetics to avoid sugar food ain't got nothing to do with it right so I think we have too many examples of how we eat having a direct correlation with the health of our bodies to ignore that any longer. And I can understand um, the difference in thinking where I draw my line is I'm going to go with how I think because my experience has to be dictated by my understanding. And I'm open to receiving the understandings of other people, especially experts. And I'm still the one who's going to decide what president Bush say, I'm the decider. Mm -hmm. I, I am the decider when it comes to my body and my life. Uh, and I, I hold on to that, you know, with everything, because that to me makes the difference between if I'm going to be happy with my outcome or not. And either way, no matter what I do, the end result down the line is that I'm going to have to get out of this body at some point. So for how me, the point is, how do I want to live in the body? How do I want to treat the body? I think I can make this body last a lot longer, not de destroying it and by supporting it and by helping it do what it's designed to do. You know, your immune system fights cancer all the time. The reason most people haven't been diagnosed when we all have potentially cancerous cells in our bodies mm -hmm. is because their immune system attacked them. The macrophages ate it up. It did its job, right? Some reason, for some reason, I should say, in my body, that wasn't the case. I wanted to find out what the reasons were, why my body couldn't do what it's supposed to do, what it's designed to do, what it's divinely and intelligently created for doing. I wanted to find out what I was doing to stand in the way of that process. I want to get out of the way and then see what the process would be, right? To me, that's what's logical. And then if I have to go through and start destroying stuff, tearing stuff, if, I, if that is the case, then I'll consider that. But that wasn't the first step for me. When you talk about first steps, like what do I do next? For me, the first thing, that I needed to do was the least damage since I already had a system that was turning on itself to a certain extent. I needed to do the least damage and try to figure out how to slowly turn this big old ship around to start going in the right direction again, because at some point we were going in the right direction. Right. And then something happened. What was that something? And 
you know, the scientist in me, and I've had that scientist in me since I was a little girl. I remember one of the worst whoopings I got was trying to make my own shampoo. Oh, Lord. And I used my grandma's um, cleaning products. So I used oh, dish soap <laughs> and hydrogen peroxide because I knew you cleaned out wounds yeah, with that. And I put lemons, I squeezed lemon juice in it because, you know, lemons clean things too. And um, made a shampoo and washed my hair with it and turned my whole head red. Oh, And um, yeah, it was... I, I probably still have a mark on my leg from the wells. But it's a little PTSD. Oh, uh, so I have always thought of myself to be a scientist. And listen, if I'm going to be anybody's guinea pig, it's going to be my own. Uh, because I'm smart and I trust myself and I trust that if I try something on this body that I'm in, I'm going to know if it's working or not. Your body is constantly communicating with you, constantly telling you if what you're doing is right, if what you're doing is not right, if it feels good or not. Like we have all these signs and, and, and indications of things that we have not really learned how to interpret. Uh, we have plants around us that we are told and at least in the bible we've been given these plants to heal to feed ourselves to use so you know to me it makes sense to start with what i know to be true what i know to be true is that we are healing bodies we have potential for um for healing ourselves we see it all the time you cut your finger you don't know how that heals up it just does right you don't even know how your heart's pumping to keep you alive all day long you trust that it's doing it you don't know how your breath works but it does and so within all these standard kind of um that the body's natural functions are powers right that Mm. if we harness in the right Mm. way i believe we can use to help ourselves that does not mean we don't need medicine we do but i think we need it in a different way than how we're using it currently Absolutely. And the first thing that comes to my mind is just thinking of discernment. You have to be in and in, in, in along the lines of supporting how I was saying, you know, you have to make a choice. These things yeah. can come at you, but just like anything, you apply what applies to you and you walk through it. Receive yeah. and how can I build? And right. it was so amazing of how you're saying how important it is to know your authority and know the power mm-hmm. you have over your life because when you're in despair, you just forgot who you were. Yeah. Well, fear paralyzes you. It's that fight or flight. You know, we're given this, this ability to the fight or flight. It's this reflex in our bodies, right? Naturally built in. I think it's probably been there from the very beginning when our ancestors were running from lions and mm-hmm. not trying, you know, trying not to get eaten. So there's, there's a necessity for it that I think is much more um, valuable probably back then than now. But because it's built into us, we have this, ability to to trigger ourselves into this fight or flight, right? And so when fear hits us, our bodies don't know the difference between a fear of an illness or a fear of a lion, right? It's fear. And it comes in and goes, yeah, locks you up, just like that, locks you up. And you can either run or you can freeze. And our evolution, I think, as human beings has allowed us, you know, these great brains we have, these control centers of our bodies, we have evolved. I believe we have evolved to the point where we can think through uh, with our awareness and our consciousness, overcome this fear frozen dynamic that happens, this fight or flight and, and go uh, and be an observer of it and say, I see what's happening. I feel that fear trying to come up. Can you just say, I see, I see it. Right. I see, I see, I see you coming fear. I, you know, I've had those moments. I, it's funny to me because I think, 
what I don't want to do is give the impression that I never have any, you know, bad moments or, or moments where I'm, uh, I actually don't have moments where I'm doubtful, but what's the right word? Moments where I'm shook by something, right? I have moments like that, but what I do in those moments determines how I get through those moments. And what I do in those moments is recognize them as what they are. You know, this, the tumor that was, that I found in my breast was not in my windpipe, was not in my, uh, you know, my bowel system. It wasn't in a place that was going to cause me uh, immediate uh, and emergency level harm, right? It wasn't going to end my life right now. There are things that you experience on a daily basis that may have, that may do that, right? This wasn't one of those things. And so when I felt or observed this fear that exists around it, I had to put it in context. I had to put it in perspective and say, uh, 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 let's get some facts straight. You can't do nothing to me right now. You have been here for years mm -hmm. because that's the truth. If you have a tumor the size of the one I found in my breast that has been growing, that did not just pop up overnight, that has had a track record in your body that you have been unaware of. It's been there and I didn't know it. And I was just fine, right? So I was just fine this whole time without the awareness of it. I'm not going to let the awareness of it all of a sudden spin me into some chaos in my mind that freezes me and stops me from being able to think clearly Come on. and have the discernment you're talking Come about on. and remember who I am. Come I'm not going to forget, right? Come like, on. don't, you're not going to let me, you're not going to get me to forget. And I think I've had enough experiences in my life of things that were much more life-threatening immediately where uh, I was able to live past them, obviously, and look back and say, ha-ha, you didn't get me. And there's reason you didn't get me. And I'm still here and I'm going to keep it pushing. And so, you know, what I do in those moments of panic is take a breath. When we talk about breath, as one of the tools of control in our bodies, it is so real and it is so powerful. And we have, you know, examples of it throughout history. You can look back to like personal examples you, you can hear about in texts and you find this more in India probably, but yogis who were able to bring their heartbeat down to the point where people would think they were dead or bring their breath down to the point that their bodies, you know, their heart rate actually change their blood pressure actually diminished so all of these things in our bodies we have control over and there's a way we have control over them breath is one of those ways so when i start panicking the first thing i have trained myself to do is take a very deep breath all the way into my abdomen fill it up hold it almost until i get lightheaded and then slowly let it out and that triggers these autonomic nervous systems these parasympathetic nervous systems all the different titles of the systems in our bodies these routes that our bodies take to do things you can get some control over them you can calm yourself down to the point that you can think again everything slows down a little bit because you know when you're panicking you're like this and everything's so fast, much confusion. Going fast and you're freaking out and your body and you're sweating and your heart beats racing ah, so you have to stop that process be easy, little homie. Yeah. So that the right information can get to you. We are receptors. We're living in a big old battery. Come this on. body is a big old battery. It charges up. It receives information. We are magnets. All of that is real energetically. You can figure all that out for yourself. I'm just telling you it's true for me. And because I know that, I know that when you block those things, right, you're stopping the mm. magnetic mm. energy. You're stopping things from getting to you. And so if you can just recognize that you're the one doing it, then you can be the one to stop doing it. 
And when you do that, things become in the moment because really we're just taking this life moment by moment. That's right? it. And when we look too far ahead, that panic is too much. I'm going to take it's moment by moment. What can I do right now? What's happening right now? What's the threat right now? What's real right now? And when you can stay in the moment present right now, you realize you have so many options to determine the next moment. And for me, that's where the majority of my um, healing of my uh, bringing into my environment, the other options, whether they're treatments or people or uh, energetic work, all the things that I need and have needed over these last two years have come to me because I've been able to slow down, calm down and not let that panic uh, be bigger than me. Wow. And here it's so beautiful that you, what you said too, right? So when you mentioned the fact about the fear, right? The confusion. And you yeah. said, when I take a minute, I can breathe. I can see, right? Well, mm-hmm. I just have to feed. I have to keep digesting your words. That was the first thing that you talked about being the light. Well, see, when you cast on the light, you can see. I can't there tap into light if right? I'm so busy. But Here's another thing that I thought was beautiful. I had a young lady on um, the previous uh, episode on the podcast, Karen Malone, Righteous Soul. Mm -hmm. She talks about this whole situation of just like anything with a yin and a yang, you have a good and bad. And while we understand these things of these notions from the doctors, we have to choose what we're going to inflame or engulf ourselves in. Yes. But just like with anything, if you step too close to the sun, or if you put your hand in fire, it will get burned. And it goes to the whole notion of just handle with care. Use what's applicable Mm. to you. Do you hold the fire in your hand or do you use it as a guiding light? Do you let the sun blind you in your eyes or do you put shade on? How do you Mm. take control of your life? So even in this moment, if you're saying, you know, I'm going to harness who Ananda is. I'm going to walk in knowing who I am at a point that I can breathe to know how to choose to move forward with what I do. How do you... How how important is gratitude and what does happiness look like to you now? Ah, gratitude is everything. You look at the frequency of of energy, right? We're energetic beings, like I've said. But down here at the bottom is sadness and grief and and, uh, lack. lack. Just lack is Mm. at the bottom, right? And you dig a pit, you're in the hole. And as you start to rise up the scale of energetics and frequencies at the top, the top of what we can uh, access anyhow, you know, I think there's another realm beyond us, but the top of our realm, love, gratitude, um, happiness, joy, all those things are really high frequencies. And when you look at what frequencies it takes to heal something, those are also really high frequencies. So they live up in the love and the gratitude and the joy and all that, the good stuff. And the stuff that makes you feel good. The reason it makes us feel good is because now it's increased your energetic frequency in your body. You're raising your frequency. There's an impact on your body of that because you're a battery, because you're energetic. So I find that gratitude, it's right up there with love and joy. Like it is one of the most important things. And I think it's because sometimes it's easier for us to um, look outside of ourselves for things. I know that's true for me sometimes, Mm -hmm. but we don't always look within, right? Our, Our immediate uh, human instinct, I guess, is to look outside and then copy that, to look outside and do that, look outside and see that. So that's fine. Let's let's use what we got. When I look outside and I can project gratitude on something outside of me, 
that gratitude automatically comes back and becomes my experience. And so you're using the dynamic of seeing outside of you what you would like or, or what you can identify as something you're grateful for and then receiving that full circle comeback of the gratitude you've just put out in the world because what you put out is what you'll get back. That is just a rule of nature, a law of nature that we are not going to change anytime soon. Let's work with it, right? What you put out is what you're going to get back. So if I'm putting out gratitude, even towards something outside of myself that I see as an object or a person or whatever, that's going to come back to me. And Mm. it comes back in in all kinds of forms. You can't predict how it's going to come back. You just know that the law says it will come back to you. And When you know what you know, it's like doing math in class. When you know what you know, I Uh, know for a fact, if I put it out there too, it's going to come back to me plus two and I'm going to get four, right? I'm going to get it because that's the truth. And when you know the truth, you can stand on that and say, I already know what's going to happen. So all I have to do is my part. My part is putting out love. My part is putting out gratitude. My part is putting out joy because that's what I want to experience. And I know that like Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's been vital for me on this path, his teachings anyway, he always says, you, uh, the best way to predict your future is to create it. The truth in that is that you're creating your future. Ah. And so if you're experiencing something you don't like or, you know, whether it's a situation or person or whatever, energetics come in all forms, right? People, experiences, et cetera. If you're experiencing something you don't like, um, get through the blame of it and say, well, whose fault is it? Whatever. Just know that all you have to do is say, well, what do I want to experience next? Okay, I don't like what I'm experiencing now. You have a choice to dwell on that or not. When you dwell on it, you just create more of it. If you don't want to experience, if you genuinely don't want to experience, because there's some people who are addicted to the habit of being sad, to the habit of being unhappy, to the habit of being mistreated. They're addicted to that, right? There's a way to help those people too. Right. Mm -hmm. They're just used to it. A habit can be formed with anything you do repeatedly, good habits, bad habits. You're forming a habit. If you're used to being mistreated, you might be in a habit of being mistreated. And so you don't know what else it feels like. And that's what you're used to feeling. So that's what you're going to continue to attract because that's what you're thinking you want to experience. As soon as you want to change something, all you have to do is say, what do I want to experience instead? And then experience it without having to have any external proof of that being what you know, it actually is in your own thoughts. Everything starts with thought in your thoughts, experience what you want to feel and then open your eyes and walk through your life with that feeling. And it will show up for you because you are putting it out there and you will get it back. That's the math. Use the math in your favor. And when I remember that, even in those little moments and I go, wait, whoa, whoa, I know what I can do. Say it. Put out what I want to experience. Right. And the way I'll do that to answer your question fully, I'll use music, I will yes. um, listen. I talk to myself a lot because I'm, <laughs> I'm I live alone right now. So <laughs> when I need some encouragement, where else am I going to get over it? yourself? So, listen, or I get in the mirror and I go, listen. I know you don't feel like it today, but here's what you're about to do. You're going to get up. You're going to go get these IV bags. You're going to go do this active, whatever it is you got to do today. You're going to do it, and it's going to work. And you are going to heal, and you're going to be okay. Suck it up, Buttercup. And let's get to it. Sometimes you have to be your own general, your own sergeant, your own drill sergeant, you know? And I think we depend too much on what we need from other people when everything we need is right inside of us. And when we reflect it, we get more of it. So it seems like it's coming from other people, but it's really coming from us. And let me tell you my biggest, my biggest experience with that truth 
is when I shared this video because I, without really knowing it, without it being my focus, I was putting out all of this love and consideration and compassion and, and, and energy to people I care about, right? To the world, specifically women, specifically women who look like me. I was putting that out there and all of a sudden this wave of it came back at me. Come on. And it has been so beautiful and it has been so sustaining without, you know, I mean, total strangers. We're talking about people I have never met, never will meet. Deciding, choosing to send me love, to, to pray for me, to hold me up um, as the result of what I initiated, right? And so the, the point there is you initiate it and then you receive it back. And if we can start to think like that, we no longer hold other people uh, as accountable for what we're experiencing. We know what I'm experiencing is up to me. And maybe I'm not experiencing it right now because I didn't put it out there to begin with. Maybe it doesn't exist outside of me because I didn't create it to get it back. So then where do you start? You start with creating it and then putting it out there and then wait because it's coming back to you. Just watch it come back to you. You will receive it. It's a law of nature that you can't change. You have my brain on fire. I can't contain. I don't know what this is, but whatever this is that you give to me, (laughs) I didn't, I have went down to the point of, even when you talked about from a biblical stance, if we want to go there, because I think messages are a different way. And we talked about that thing. We experienced things. It's just a different language or a different Mm -hmm. vibration. Honor thy neighbor as I honor myself. I have to love on you to receive that. Mahatma Gandhi, be the change that you want to see. Even when you said, I, 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 that I have to see. I, I can (laughs) see me. Stop playing with me, Ananda. (laughs) You better come on here. And you know, while somebody can listen to this and say, oh, is it just about how dealing with cancer and how to get over cancer? No, this is about loving yourself. Honoring mm-hmm. yourself because everything mm-hmm. that you said, you can apply it to any aspect of your life. Yes. Because if I know who I am, I know whose I am. I know the capacity. I am not going to put five gallons of water in one gallon of jug because I know the capacity. But just like we talked about the eye and being the light, this little light of mine, I'm mm-hmm. going to let it shine. Mm-hmm. What can I not do? <laughs> Even in the midst of darkness, I, I can still see. Ananda, you better yeah. do it. <laughs> and I was going to go on to the next thing, but you already went there because, you know, I had, you know, you know I'm, I'm from Detroit. And when the whole uh, mm-hmm. Clark Sisters, the film came out, I just yeah. went in and listened to the, the soundtrack. And, you know, there's a track, you got to name it. You got to claim it. And even mm. in the, the what you said, you said, I'm going to speak this over. And even in this situation, I think that's when it comes to the gratitude, when you have to look self in the face and say, I, I see you. Mm. What, yeah. what does your picture look like? <sighs> I see myself um, completely healed. Amen. And helping other women from here on out, like, I absolutely see this as an opportunity disguised as a, as a, a burden. And again, that's perspective, right? I don't believe I would have had um, the passion for this having just watched people I love go through it because I did watch people I love 
go through it and, and didn't have the passion. Sometimes passion has to come from being burned by your own experience. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so we go through the fire and we end up uh, healed by it in some respects. So I feel like this can happen to anybody. Uh, I'm not special or unique. Um, and maybe it happened to me because I have gifts that I've been able to use in other capacities in my life that I can now apply to this and move forward uh, with this passion for helping women and people understand their bodies better, understand controlling and, and um, refusing fear better, and a real passion for helping especially women who look like me understand their choices when it comes to this realm of breast cancer, because we're not being told everything. Uh, and I don't think that's some conspiracy. I think there's capacity. Doctors do what doctors do. They're in their specific realm. It's up to you to go to all these different realms and figure out what's possible for you because you're the one that's going to benefit from collecting all that information. But is there a place that helps us do that? Um, Also, the the treatments I'm getting are ridiculously expensive. And when we look at the disparity in healthcare, we can look at it as a racial disparity. But what I'm learning is it's really a financial disparity that comes down to race because of the financial disparity that exists between races. So... I think that when you can pay for it, you can get it. And the treatments that exist that that we don't necessarily have access to, I have every intention of opening up some access to. Because if it's just about money, there's enough money on the planet. There's enough money within our people. um, And it's just a matter of how we use it directing it to the right thing. And I absolutely plan on starting a nonprofit that doesn't do research because we have enough research. I'm living things right now that are working to heal this breast cancer out of my body. Other women need to have access to these things and we need to pay for that access. Mm -hmm. And so we got to pay for access. Let's do it. Let's get some money together and pay for the access and start saving some lives and not just for the sake of longevity, but for the quality of that life to be how we want to live in the bodies we want to live in the way that we want to live our lives. That's the real living, right? Not just sitting here on the planet in a body, but powerfully existing and thriving in your life the way that you want to. And it's possible. uh, And I'm living it. And so if I can use this experience to, um, to help other women have the same experience, that's, that's what I'm going to be here for. And you had to ask me, why am I thanking you for being you? Ananda Lewis, <laughs> thank you. Well, listen, our jobs is to be ourselves. I can thank you for being you too, but you're just doing your job. And so, yeah, let's thank each other for doing our jobs, but let's not forget that that's not why we do our jobs. It's not for the thank you. It's because that's what you're here for. You're here to do what you're doing. And so my gratitude about it should have nothing to do with whether or not you do it. Mm, that's a word. Well, <laughs> Thank you so much for this impactful conversation and, and, and the passion. <laughs> yes, it, it, the passion of just being an energy source and, and just exuding that. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm sure someone is listening or watching and they want to know, how do I keep up with you? Uh, oof, you know, I wish I could say I'm more socially uh, uh, able <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little not able when it comes to the social medias. The one I can do best is Instagram. So that's really kind of where I live the most. Um, 
I'm going to figure out the other ones at some point, but they make it so easy just to post everywhere from one place. So Mm -hmm. that's what I choose. I keep it easy. I got enough to do. I've been treatment all day long, every day. So mainly it's Instagram. My, my Instagram handle is I'm like, I am Ananda Lewis. Um, And I, you know, I'm not as active as I probably will be once this is all over. I post when I can. And right now that's a little sporadic, but I do plan on starting to share a little more of the preventative side of things. And in terms of um, what else we can do, yes, get your mammograms. Yes. Get the early detection. So you know what's going on in your body. And also I know that sugar feeds this. I have lived that myself. Um, And so what else should we be doing? Right. I know that I've had these, panels of toxic uh, chemicals found in my body. And one of the things I've been doing wrong is eating too many potato chips and French fries. Well, that was staple food for me. And I know it is for many other people, but do you know how much acrylamide is created by cooking potatoes at those high temperatures that then you eat the whole thing? I mean, there's so much that I'm learning that I feel like it's a, it's a really unique uh, experience that I'm having. Right. And and one that needs to be shared, one that needs to be known by other people um, so that they can not end up where I ended up to have to learn all this. So mm-hmm. eventually I will start um, just doing quick, you know, hey, what is this? How do you how do you avoid it? What should you be eating? Or I want to look at labels. When you're looking at labels, there's a lot of stuff on there that could be going in your body causing a problem with your immune system. So I'll be starting to do a little more of that sharing and just not telling people what to do, but telling them what I've learned because that's the real benefit. Like if you're learning something, tell somebody so they can benefit too. It doesn't mean they're going to do it, but it means that you have given them now this extra layer of understanding that's possible for them to pull from if they choose to. Um, so I'll be doing that on Instagram. I am on Facebook too. I don't know what my handle is on there, but I'm not that hard to find. There's a little girl on a donkey. It's me at seven on a, on a donkey in Tijuana. That's the picture right now. Um, and what else am I on Twitter? But I, I'm not that active. Instagram is really my favorite place. That's the jam. Okay. So we're, I'm Ananda Lewis on Instagram. Check it yeah. out. Um, well, that was it. I, I guess that's amazing. When, when you decide to come back, I would love to have you back to discuss maybe some of the foods because I myself, I've, I'll say veganish, primarily adopted a vegan diet. And I'm saying whether yeah. it was with the fibroids that I had and the pain mm-hmm. going away, but also looking at the fact when it comes down to cancer. So I would love to even explore more conversations um, because, yeah. you know, just dealing with what you put anything in your body and people need to know that. The fuel. Well, there's so much bad information, right? And it changes so frequently, just like the mammogram recommendation. Do it at 40, do it at 35, do it at 55. When do we do it? Like we have so much bad information or let me not call it bad. Let me say it's changing information, Mm -hmm. right? And maybe it's changing because even what they're understanding is changing too. I'm fine with understandings changing, but we got to have some fundamental fundamental truths to go with, right? Meat has been proven to be carcinogenic in some ways, right? And again, depending on your body, some people's bodies handle meat better than others. My body doesn't handle meat well, which it sounds like maybe yours doesn't either. And dairy. I'm a vegan right now because I went through this whole keto eating, which I needed to do to starve out the cancer cells from all the sugar that you would get from a high carb diet. But now I've shifted into this maintenance plan where uh, it is high fiber, high starch, very low oil. When you think about how our ancestors would have eaten, they didn't have uh, oil presses right? They weren't able to 
pull out this much oil from olives. You know how many olives you got to eat to have this much oil? Mm. So when we're pouring all this oil on our food, we're clogging up our system in ways that it's not used to handling. Small amounts of naturally occurring oil, yeah, if you're actually eating an olive, but what you're also getting is the fiber and all those other micronutrients that come in the olive. You're not just extracting, um, you know, the, the basically the juice from it. It's like taking an orange is opposed to having, or eating an orange is opposed to having a glass of orange juice. Well, you might have eight oranges in a glass of orange juice. That's too much sugar for your body, right? The orange itself has the fiber and all the micronutrients mm. that the orange as a whole plant, a whole fruit will have. That's what our body understands. So things like that are super important when you talk about your health, because I thought I was healthy. I thought I was eating in a way that was good for my body. I didn't understand that the, the little things I was doing, like french fries every week were were as bad as they were because i was eating vegetables too you know some things we have to completely eliminate and the discipline of that discipline. Um, becomes difficult but when you think about you know well when i think about the amount of discipline i have to have now doing the protocols doing the treatments committing to all the hours a day being away from my child i could have spread that out across like 10 years and done it in a more balanced you know a little bit at a time way now i have to concentrate it in you know, four or five months and really hit it hard because things have gone further than I would like them to have gone. So I really do want to emphasize to people, and I'll be doing that through the IG, how you can start to be proactive in prevention so that you don't have to take all this time away from your life to heal yourself. Mm, I like that. Be in your life so you don't have to step away. Because you got to put the time in either way. That's what I'm learning. You got to put the time in either way. You just go keep dropping gems. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate thank this time. Um, thank you for speaking life. And is there anything else if you could leave an inspirational moment that you would want to say to anyone? Um, Something that you would say the greatest lesson you learned through this or just in life or where you are right now? I've learned so much. Let me see if I can narrow it down. I, I would say one thing that we haven't hit because we hit on so many of the things that I would use as that answer. One thing we haven't hit on is the fact that we are creative beings where, you know, if you believe that we're created in the image of our creator, um, then the key word there is creator. And we are all creative. One of the things that's helped me the most is really tapping into my creativity. Now we're all born with it, but we live these lives, especially in our society where it's kind of pulled out of us, right? Where we're judged for our creativity, where you're told you can't sing or you ain't talented or you someone else's opinion comes into play. Don't do it for them. Do it for you. If you want to sing, get in your shower and sing, right? If you want to dance, move the furniture and dance around your house. Don't let anything stop you from the flow of creativity that is supposed to roll through your body because it's beneficial and it can heal you and it can help you because you're tapping into your truest self and your truest nature. And don't deny it. You know, I've had to open up to it. And the way I've done it is through song and music with a group called um, the Jam Nation. It's just a bunch of people who can freestyle. You know, we freestyle music together. And of course, now we can't do it because of COVID. But all up until January, we were getting together every week and just having jam. these amazing jam sessions. And the deeper you dig into yourself, the more you find, just mm -hmm. like in the earth, right? The deeper you dig, the bigger the jewels. And so dig. That's what I would say. Dig into yourself. Because you are a treasure and there's more the deeper you go. Just keep digging. Wow. Now, I enjoyed that. You know it's good when you walk away from somebody or a conversation and you feel more energized than you were when you walked into it. You know it feels good to feel good. 
And it feels good knowing about the importance of loving yourself. And when you decide to step up in the forefront to, to be the healer for self, I love that. And I love this conversation. I hope if you're out there and you're dealing with any type of obstacle that you understand that you're worthy. You're worthy of knowing yourself. You're worthy of checking yourself before you wreck yourself. So I want to continue to send words of positivity and a good energy of healing and understanding towards Ananda's way. And if you'd like to do the same, you can make sure you follow her on social media at I am Ananda Lewis on Instagram and Ananda Lewis on Twitter. As always, you can catch us here on your phone or whichever smart device you fancy every Monday with more inspiring conversations and insights. If you're looking to get even more vitamin D in your life, you can also follow me at Dawn Day Speaks on Instagram and Twitter. And until next time, always remember, you are your greatest asset.